0: Never got assigned to Fort Bragg, so We were never assigned to that type of unit. So we were what they call five jump chumps. We had to jump five times to get the airborne qualifier in the wings. And that's what we each did. So he's a five jump chump just like I am. But I landed each one of them. Didn't break no bones back then. Walked off each time. Piece of cake.
1: Courage, perseverance. Unity. These are the words I will use to describe my next interviewee. She is a force to be reckoned with, a fearless warrior. Her shield and staff are strengthened from the hardened resolve to do what is right and true. The cadence she follows led her to achievement. hello and welcome to a pixie from kilmarnock a program about the people places and history of the northern neck i'm your host pixie e curry interviewed Lieutenant Colonel Sherry Hill Sergeant. United States Army retired in October of 2021. Born into a career military family, Colonel Sergeant was a military brat, never in one place long enough to call anywhere home. But she calls the place where both of her parents, Lord and Eleanor Ritchie Hill, were born and raised in. Whitestone, Virginia, and Weems, Virginia, on the northern neck, places she and her two brothers, Dwayne, retired, and Sean, both military veterans, as the closest places resembling a hometown. Her father fought kinds of wars. One as a child when he was stricken with polio and the other on the battlefield in Southeast Asia doing two tours in Vietnam. (music) Colonel Sargent learned from both her father and mother what it takes to overcome struggles and how to survive the worst that life could toss into your path. This is the first part of a two part interview. Part one is the sweet memories of childhood, learning how to balance transitions with unquestionable faith and conviction. As a woman in the military, as a mother serving in uniform, as a woman with goals, knowing that you possess the tools to reach them, then passing those values on to her daughter, exhibiting and preparing for the reality that the directions we start sometimes lead to a very different destination than the first one mapped out.
0: My name is Sherry Hill Sargent, um, retired lieutenant colonel, um, United States Army. I served for um, just about 23 years active duty as an adjutant general officer. That's basically a personnel officer. I've been retired now since 2009. Um, however, I've been affiliated with military for the last uh, since then because my husband is a recent retiree. So we've uh, continued to be involved with the military community for the last 10, 11 years. And uh, right now, having retired during the pandemic, I'm getting my footing and have not done a whole lot with the community here recently. But I'm looking at a new opportunity involving EEO investigations because my one of the jobs I held while in the military in um, involved EO work, and so that's what I'm looking at right now, starting some training for that. I received a bachelor's degree in English from Alcorn State University, uh, the first black land-grant college in the South, in 1985, where I also received my ROTC commission um, in the AG branch, and um, in 1988, I received uh, my master's degree in public administration from Central Michigan University. I'm an Army brat. Uh, my father served uh, 20 years in the U.S. Army, so i um, Pinpointing a hometown is kind of difficult, but I guess Lancaster County is the closest thing we have to a hometown. And uh, my birth date, twenty eighth June, nineteen sixty three, which makes me brand a brand new fifty eight year old.
1: Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I, I'm as old as um, as your dad now, <laughs> and your oh. aunt. <laughs> when did that happen?
0: Wow. I know time flies. It
1: does. It really that does. Is- You went to high school where?
0: So my father ended up at Alcorn State University as an assistant professor of military science um, in the 70s. And so we relocated to Mississippi, and that's where I ended up going to high school, at Port Gibson High School, which is right outside of the Alcorn campus, about 17 miles away, I believe. Well, probably 17 20 minutes away from Alcorn's campus, so that's where I went to high school. I started my educational career, if you will, in Whitestone, uh, that's where I attended first grade because my father um, was in either Vietnam, I believe it was Vietnam at the time. So whenever he would deploy, uh, we would go back to mom's hometown. And um, and so I started first grade at Whitestone High School, Port Gibson High in Mississippi, Port Gibson, Mississippi. What
1: first grade school were you in?
0: It uh, was in Whitestone, I think. Was it called Whitestone?
1: It may um, have been. When you started as a first grader, uh, was the schools integrated or segregated? Uh,
0: My goodness. I don't even remember. I'm going to say integrated simply because my oldest brother remembers the segregated schools and remembers integration. And, you know, so he's several years older than I am. So I'm assuming it was integrated, but I'm trying to picture picture that time. And I, I can't right now.
1: It probably was the first year of integration. You probably was the first generation of going to integration. You were saying that you also was an army brat. What some of the places that you used to live in?
0: Fort Devons, uh, Massachusetts, Fort Belvoir, Virginia, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, oh, then Alcorn, Alcorn State University. That was an actual assignment for my father. Because my father was um, young in the military with a young family, um, he had assignments overseas. We didn't accompany him to those assignments. We would go back to the country to stay with uh, my grandparents. Those are the places that I can recall living, and, um, and, of course, my own military career on top of that. When
1: you were staying in Whitestone with your grandparents, your mom's parents, and your dad's parents?
0: They right? stayed with both, and I can't really say when, each time, but we, we have stayed with uh, Grandma Inel in the house in Whitestone, and we stayed with Grandma Dottie in the house in Weems. So we've lived in both places. But I remember in first grade, I was being buffed from my grandma Dottie's house. I remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I'm pretty sure. But first grade anyways.
1: What do you remember about living with your grandparents?
0: What do you remember most about Oh, my that? goodness. Um, yeah, just oh, so many great memories. Um, don't have me crying over here. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like I said, those, those are where my roots are. Although I didn't live there long, you know, visiting um, every summer just about. Um, having both parents have their roots right there, everybody was family. Everywhere we would go, we'd run into more family. So when we were in White Stone, we're hanging out um, with Grandma I know, Granny Clinton at the time, and um, and we would be excited when we'd have visitors from the city. You know, um, storming his family coming from New York City, Alberta coming from New York City, Etta, cousin Etta, would go fishing and and then my dad would be so excited to clean fish under the tree outside of Grandma Arnold's house, cleaning the fish. I remember that very distinctly. In my, my mornings with my grandmother, oh, my goodness, she would allow me to drink coffee. <laughs> so um, for some reason, I've always been an early riser. I'd be up, she'd be in the dining room, and I'd go sit down, and she'd be mixing that coffee. in the a, in a saucer underneath would just fill up with, with coffee, and she would allow me to drink from that saucer. And so that was a, a thing between the two of us that we had for a, a lot of years. And we go to the beach occasionally, and a lot of that time at the beach was, uh, we seemed to be going with uh, Juicy Payments and their family to the beach, And of course, I remember the trips to Kilmarnock. Getting to your house was like a trip for us because it seemed like you guys like it was a winding winding road to get there. You know, I've been there in later years, it wasn't that long. But for me as a youngster, it felt like it went on forever and ever and ever and then finally we got to this big house at the top of the hill and just your family, just so much fun and outside playing that it was croquet or something we used to play yes. all, all the time. Yes. I mean just yeah, I'm telling you, it's the memories and that's just on my dad's side of the family. So my mother's side of the family equally. So just, you know, leaving, you know, houses open, just wandering in and out of relatives' homes all the time. Just, you know, just the innocence of, you know, that time and being around family. And and I remember that all the way up to, like, the age of 13 or so, having that kind of freedom. Churchill Beach, Rice is in, we won't go down that road, but you know what I'm saying. Just so many, so many memories. And, uh, yeah, just, um... I wish my daughter could have been- Experienced what what we did, you know. I visited the Northern Neck back when we had Dairy Queen, the Five and Dime, and you know those are the exciting things we had. So the last visit we made there was this summer, coincided with the with the fair. When I saw those signs that said the fair was in town, oh my goodness! I said I cannot believe the fair's in town. We're going to the fair. We got to go to the fair. I remember going to that fair. Um, we went to the fair. Dwayne's girls were there and Dwayne's wife. So we all went to the fair and um, and then she and her, one of her cousins went to that um amusement park thing. I'm, I forgot what it Compass. They went to and she just had a ball and I said, see, we got stuff down here in the country. I think the country's peaceful. I know there's, you know, a lot more, quote, activity than back when I was um, visiting more often, you know, like living there, I should say, in the summers and whatnot. But it's just peaceful to me. I, I, I love it. It's, it's very peaceful to me. Yeah, a lot of changed but still still that connection still the family just a piece yeah and she's I guess she's too young to appreciate that yet knowing our cousins you know as youngsters of course as we've gotten older we don't know each other like we did but spending summers and playing games and just it just stuck out to me the leaving doors unlocked wandering in and out of aunt and uncle's houses and just i mean they've not experienced anything close to that where we've lived you know um, not that it's dangerous, but people, we would never just leave our doors unlocked. Old country of just the time of the time, I don't know, the 70s or whatever, I don't know what the reason for it, but I loved it and I have very, very fond it. Sharon Baptist Church is where we primarily went to church um, when we were in the country. Um, Visited Mount Vernon a couple times, but primarily it was Sharon Baptist, where my mom's entire family seemed to be uh, everywhere throughout the church, from the piano player to the ushers, choir loft, just all your cousins up there in the choir. And, yeah, it it was just awesome, just just being around family, going to Kimonic, and that's your cousin there, that's your your uncle there. That's just, yeah, it was just great. Nothing but great memories
1: say, people coming from the city. That was big-time fun, just hearing the laughter in the house. And uh, they were playing cards, playing, oh, yeah. oh, playing some serious pinochle.
0: Yep.
1: Some of the things that, you know, was part of growing up, the food. What kind of foods oh, yeah. do you remember and that you oh. still hanker for?
0: Well, um, gosh, wasn't it that fish we'd have for breakfast? Um, mm I should know what that is because my dad still fixes it. Oh, he's not going to be, I can't remember the name of the fish. But to have fish for breakfast, my friends didn't understand that. You know, that didn't live down there. They were like, what is that all about? To have fish for breakfast, to actually pour grease mm-hmm. from the bacon onto the fish. Like, what are you doing? My husband doesn't understand that. They have strange habits down in Florida, but this, he could not wrap his brain around. Um, but yeah, we ate a lot of that, a lot of seafood, of course, but fish for breakfast is uh, probably the strain, a strange Thing, but something I enjoyed and, and still and still do. King Poty Rick molasses. My grandma Dottie always had that. We'd have that with sausage for breakfast. And um, can't find that anywhere. Just like the ginger ale, can't can't find it anymore. But obviously, we were very connected to the northern neck ginger ale. And seems like was it Wise potato chips that were like in every grocery store. Yes, I seem to recall. So though, and of course, crabs in the summertime. Yeah, a lot a lot of good food memories for sure. Lots of good
1: food memories. I'm wondering if you're thinking about spots, spots fish. That's no. Either spots mm-hmm. or trout. No. Hardhead, something called. It's kind of shaped like
0: a like a um, like a chicken leg.
1: You're not talking sugar toes.
0: Yeah, sugar toes. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but you know what? Maybe that's not what we have for breakfast. We had that generally, but maybe that's not what the breakfast
1: fish was. Yeah, like fried sugar toes. I mean, that's the yeah. only way you yeah. want to eat them. Boys.
0: <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, because. Yeah, so, yeah you're right you're right yep just like a chicken wing
1: and sure. you can hardly catch those now they become a great delicacy now
0: that's it's, what i heard that's yeah, what i heard
1: yeah Where was the first home that you became settled in and did you had mm. the longest stretch of time living
0: probably a lot in oklahoma my father was stationed at fort Sill, so we lived there i went to second grade there i recall second grade through sixth grade which is a pretty long stint. Most people move every two to three years. We were there for four years, and so that was for me that was elementary school, and my uh, two brothers. One was in junior high, and one was in high school. Actually, so we hit all the schools down there. But that was a great experience. But yeah, that that would be the first, and then. From there we moved to um, Alcorn's campus and we were there longer than typical because my dad ended up retiring from the military there. So that is where um, they made their home for uh, for retirement up until um, 2001.
1: You and your brothers all were in the military.
0: Kind of a fluke that it turned out that way. It wasn't like it was um, expected or even preached about or anything like that. It just was kind of happenstance, I believe. I never had discussions with my parents about that or my siblings. I don't really remember how my two brothers came into the military as a career, but for myself, I can tell you, let um, me talk about segregation. We ended up in, in Claiborne County, Mississippi, and um, when we moved there, the um, the, the school system was still segregated so this is me as a seventh grader coming from Laudan, Oklahoma which is completely integrated coming to the deep south and running into this issue again where, similar to what you said, all of the black students went to public school and all of the white students went to private schools. So you wouldn't even know in that town that white people existed if you just looked at the school system. And so we moved there. Unfortunately, there was a problem with the superintendent of education. Battle lines were drawn. And it was, a, it was, it was crazy. a lot of rioting, things I would never expect to encounter as a seventh grader. So it was a little, a little scary for me to see all that was going on. A different type of experience for me. And as time went on, we stayed in Mississippi, you know, assimilated pretty well. And when I was time for the graduate from high school, I fortunately, I, I was the valedictorian of my high school class. So I did very well in school as my older brother as well. So you would think I would have my pick of schools, pick of choices, but I wasn't getting scholarship offers to where I, I really wanted to go. So Alcorn was offering me a full ride. Um, my father kind of said, well, okay, they're offering you money and they're not. So I kind of, just went along, and it wasn't what I really wanted to do, but that's what I did. Both, my, both of my brothers had gone to Alcorn as well, so now I'm a freshman at Alcorn, and I'm enjoying of course. I have high school friends there. I've met a lot of friends there. Um, the very next year, I pledged uh, Delta Sigma Theta sorority, so I have even more friends, but I wasn't happy with school. I wanted to leave leave that school. I wanted to go someplace else. I wanted to go where I really wanted to go. I knew the only way that was going to happen was with a scholarship, so I decided to apply for an ROTC scholarship because I knew that you could take that scholarship and go to any school that offered. ROTC. So I applied for an ROTC scholarship and I got it. And uh, <laughs> but then like an idiot, once I got the scholarship, I was really immersed now in the social you know, aspect of school. And I was like, I'm just going to stay right here. So I stayed. But as a result, of course, now I owe the Army time because I accepted this ROTC scholarship. And I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't mind a career in the military. I enjoyed moving around. I thought it was a, a great experience for my family. So I thought it's something I can do for three or four years. No problem. What I didn't expect was to my very first assignment to meet my husband, and that's what happened. And and when I met him, he was a career officer, but I made it very clear that I was not a career officer. I wanted to do couple of years and move on. But as our relationship developed, I knew that he was not going to budge on his career opportunity. So I knew that I would either be faced with having to find a job every time he moved if we were to marry. So I said, you know what? This career's been okay so far. Let's go ahead and and play this out. That's how I ended up with a career in the military.
1: I'm listening to you making choices as far as being with a person that is in the military. I often think about your mom uh, with three kids whose husband was making that choice. Your dad was in Vietnam twice, correct? Yes. And what was his rank when he retired?
0: He retired as a major. He came in the Army as a private, went to OCS as a staff sergeant, and retired with 20 years in military as a major in the uh, Engineer Corps.
1: She's representative of military-wise, yes. you know, that had to uproot their families and then get them settled. How coming from a small town and acclimating herself to that type of life. Do you remember or did she ever display any kind of uh, challenges that she had to overcome that you remembered?
0: Um, I know that it was a huge adjustment for her, obviously, having a husband overseas and then having a husband in a war, in a combat zone. I remember that. I remember being in my grandmother's front yard watching airplanes fly over and every time that would happen, me and my brothers thought it was my dad flying overhead and, and then my mother was able to go to Hawaii on an R&R. Visit with my father, and I was very upset with her for leaving me. I think she really enjoyed those times. Um, and of course, she enjoyed R and R. But I mean, being in the country with her mom, those are always great times. But being, yeah, being a single mom essentially when your husband's deployed is not an easy thing. And in their early marriage, you know, he was a, a private. You know, then a you know specialist going up through the ranks, and then you become an officer. That's a whole new ball game. A whole new ball game. And I know that was an interesting um, dynamic. Now you're a young black mother, and you're going to coffees. You know, wearing the white gloves and that kind of thing having to socialize with women from and at the time women because that's what it was I'm um, all different backgrounds and whatnot but um she had a great group of friends that it appeared to me if i recall correctly every time they moved somewhere you know she'd be a neighbor or somebody and they would share babysitting chores and, and look out for each other and and help each other out in that aspect and i do remember in oklahoma all the little events that she would throw at the house i mean the attention to detail i mean baby showers where you'd have the bread with pink and blue pink, and blue, pink for the girl blue for the little boy pink and blue that's like my mom almost off the chain this is her socializing you know and throwing little coffees for friends and showers for friends and stuff so she I thought she did very well with that and um we moved to Mississippi it was a little different um a different dynamic because it wasn't a military community but there were military uh, folks assigned there to the same ROTC department so it wasn't quite the same yeah she I think she handled that very very well but I do know not having not able to have a career because you're constantly moving I watched that dynamic as well So that's why I was like, hmm, note to self, marry a military man. You're going to have to pick up every couple of years, start at the bottom wherever you go. It's, It's something that happens to military spouses all the time still today.
1: You are listening to an interview with retired Lieutenant Colonel Sherry Hill Sergeant. She has served over 23 years as an officer with the United States Army. She is sharing some of her memories as a young woman facing challenges in the military, such as becoming a mother while serving her country. She and her husband Patrick shared duty stations and faced many challenges together, including being deployed together despite the fact that they had a young daughter. first recollection of racism was your first memory
0: first memory of racism i um can't i cannot say that it was in lancaster county i do remember segregation meaning there seemed to be a, a, a separation between blacks and whites from my from what i could see in lancaster county I knew that where my grandmother worked, there were she had white bosses. I knew at the grocery store, a white guy owned the store, that kind of thing. And there wasn't a lot of commingling, as far as I could tell. But out and out racism, alive and well in the '70s in Mississippi, that was my first experience. And being called the N-word by a child.
1: Yes, yeah, the little darlings. <laughs> yes, yeah, the little darlings. Different. Quite different. What was your first experience of sexism?
0: I recall in junior high, the nature, of, I guess, the nature of fresh little boys treating girls in a very disrespectful manner. I don't know if that's a common thing, but it was, it was a common thing in the school system, a challenge for me to observe that on a regular basis. As I got into college, I felt that oftentimes instructors would sometimes treat women different from men young men and from women I had had ROTC instructor one time we were on a canoe trip this is ROTC and it was my time of the month and I'm, I'm safely in my canoe I've navigated my canoe me and my partner and haven't managed to capsize everybody was capsized we didn't capsize and he wanted us to capsize and I was like uh not trying to go in that water and he didn't um he didn't understand that didn't respect that it was an issue it was an issue and I did what I was what I was told I did follow the order. I don't recall I don't think I let him know later what that was about. But I talked to my my parents about it later. Because this one R O T C instructor I felt he challenged me on a regular basis. And not in a positive way, not a constructive challenge. Just had an issue with me. For whatever reason. Fast forward to the military, oh my God, it's it's countless. Over and over and over again. Um, first, let me just tell you racism. My very first assignment in the military, I was assigned as a postal officer at Fort Meade, Maryland, and I had to share an office with my NCOIC, Master Sergeant, who happened to be a white man. We shared an office, very, very tiny office, and he insisted on smoking in this office back when you could do that. I just sucked it up because they tell you, you need this NCO. He's the backbone, he's going to get you through this assignment. I quickly learned that this guy did not have my best interest at heart, and we had a force comm inspection coming up, and it happened to be two gentlemen that came down one black and one white and to inspect us and they both pulled me to the side and told me that I had a major problem at my unit that they knew that my NCIC had bas- basically sabotaged the operation because he didn't want to work for me and they said that they know this for a fact because when they found out that I was there they asked the question how's the new lieutenant his response was she's black and um, he had lost his lieutenant prior to me for a uh, medical she was medically discharged from the military and he had a great relationship a white female had a great working relationship, and then she was replaced with me. He was not happy about it. And they proceeded to tell me how racist he was, the white guy that was with the black guy, and I was terrified that now my career potentially was being jeopardized by this person um, who I was sharing an office with. And um, it was a very rough start to my career. did not hurt me in terms of my career, but just it shook me to think this. these are the kinds of people we have in the military. Fast forward a couple of years, many, many years later, actually, after I had my, my daughter, well, I was pregnant with my daughter, first of all. Let me tell you, my boss came to me and said, basically, the Army is no place for pregnant soldiers and uh, basically told me that my career advancement would now be hindered. This was 1992 was now being hindered because I was pregnant. I think that was a little unusual because I did have other friends who were pregnant that didn't have bosses like that. But my boss happened to be a female, 06, colonel married to a colonel, male colonel in the military. And they had chosen, or couldn't, I'm not sure, didn't have a family. They had German shepherds. And um, so that was kind of their thing. You give your all to the military. You can't afford to have children. They didn't have children. Didn't expect, she didn't expect her soldiers to have children, not the female ones anyways. And she let it be known. She let it be known. And I tried my best to live up to her standards while pregnant ended up in bed rest with an emergency C-section behind that nonsense. Very next assignment... expected to be in class in in uniforms that you can't fit in because you just had a baby. But, you know, the rules and regulations aren't really made to to fit you at that stage. And I was with with a unit that was full of combat arms types, and they didn't understand that, yeah, this rule may say in six weeks I should lose this weight, but, yeah, and I may be close to it, but I'm not going to fit in that uniform the way I need to, and I'm not about to buy another $300 uniform when I'm going to fit in this one hopefully another three or four months. But anyways, more pointed to that was my assignment, we were to be which you called OICs are officers in charge of investigations throughout the southeast. Louisiana was one of our areas. We were about to go into a little town. This was the Garden Reserves that we were investigating in, and helping out. Helping out, air quotes. I'm to be the OIC. My boss, Black Lieutenant Colonel, pulled me to the side and said, "Sherry, you cannot be an OIC. Now every captain has to be one." But he was telling me. You can't be an OIC because those good old boys down there in Louisiana are not going to accept you. I'm just trying to protect you, just trying to help you. This is this is not going to work out. So don't worry, we're not going to hold it against you. But we're not going to allow you to be an OIC because we don't want to put you in that position. I didn't agree with it, but he wasn't asking for my permission. When it came down to my for my evaluation, of course I couldn't make mention of being mention of being an OIC because I'd never been one because they wouldn't allow me to be one. That I cannot believe that I allowed. A Lieutenant Colonel looked me in the eye and basically told me because I was a woman there job I was not going to be able to
1: do. Just making the decision for you.
0: Yep. Yes, ma'am.
1: Piece of work.
0: And it was done. And it was done. And he thought he was doing me a favor. So, yeah, you already know. It's alive and well in the military. And, um, yeah, that was the first time blatantly I was told, because you are a woman, this is not going to happen.
1: And when when you was going to school, who were some of your favorite teachers and, you know, some of your favorite subjects?
0: Hmm. I remember I had a teacher in third grade, can't recall her name, but uh, she always made me feel very special, um, and my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Myers, I don't know if I forget him, he was my, well, that was sixth grade, so he taught me everything, I guess, basically, an older white man that just, um, I don't know why I was so crazy about him, <laughs> but it's kind of funny, he always, it sticks out in my, mind, in my memory um, in his name as well, but as I got older, in high school. I had a couple teachers that were really good. Um, Melinda Butler was my science teacher in junior high. And then when I ended up in the high school, she was, had transferred to the high school by then and she became my physics teacher. Science, physics, none of that, that was not my favorite subject, but she made it very interesting and um, she made it um, easy to comprehend. And she was, yeah, she was just a, a good person and a, and a great teacher. Preferred languages, I preferred English, actually, as an actual um, class. I like math, too, believe it or not, but well, my favorite teacher would have to be Miss um, Butler, who's now a doctor, now a Ph.D.
1: You have a degree in English, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. English literature or just English...
0: English, the concentration was communication. Okay. And that was really only by default. I, I, Pixie, you're not going to believe it. My motivation behind being an English major was just to hone my, my communication skills, my, my writing and all of that, to take it to the law school, to become a Supreme Court justice.
1: You go, girl.
0: <laughs> that didn't happen, but that was, that was the motivation. That was the motivation. When I came into the military, I had my eye on transferring into the JAG Corps. Once I realized I was going to stay in the military, I looked into it. And I missed qualifying for the fully funded legal educational program by a mere month. I mean, qualifying to apply, not that it would have been a given, but qualifying to even apply. And I just, I I was dumbfounded that I was too senior to apply for that program. But I was, and I never pursued law after that. I wanted to do it that way. I didn't want to have a career and go to law school part-time. I was in my head about it. So I put that to the side for many, many years. As I was approaching retirement from the military, I thought about it again, and I just never, never made the move, never made the commitment, wanted to make sure the next move I made, being the age I was, that it was for sure the direction I wanted to go. And I'm still trying to figure it out because I have money on the table from uh, Uncle Sam that I need to use. That I have the funds for that through Uncle Sam, it would be something to go towards towards a degree. I'm not I'm not 100% certain of that, but I did think that close cousin would be something in arbitration or something like that. It's kind of the direction I was leaning at, but I don't I don't know.
1: Do it, Sherry. <laughs> really, i this is what I'm going to say to you. Whatever passions that you have, make sure that they remain the passions that you have. If you don't do it, you know, you always wonder, what if? And that right. is not a good look on anybody. Yeah. You can't put enough lipstick or perfume <laughs> or, you know, braid the hair to make what if look good ever. What are Samantha Plans?
0: Um, she received her master's last year at Syracuse University, and she's working. Um, it's a nonprofit organization. Oh, American Institute of Aeronautics and astronautics, it's A-I-A-A, she's a marketing manager out there, it's a job that she um, took last December, and so she's um, very much interested in marketing and advertising, I guess relatively felt like she's new to this job, but it's December, would be a year, and she'd like to do it another year, and and maybe move out west, she's been on the east coast now for a long time, so she's ready to head west, and keep in the same field, she very much enjoys marketing and advertising.
1: She wants to go where in the West?
0: California, specifically, Los Angeles. <laughs> and her family's in Los Angeles now.
1: So she's uh, still kind of keeping the family tradition going <laughs> in 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 another way of being in the military.
0: Well, that's a fluke. That's a fluke. Yeah, I wanted to stop you right there because she wants no parts of the military. Or <laughs> she feels like we have all given more than enough and um, has absolutely no desire so this just is a um, it's kind of ironic that this is the organization she is, has ended up in, it really is <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have a fondness for that kind of thing, she believes in giving back so she's very active in our sorority and has a, a title uh, committee chair and everything, she does a lot of community service but as far as the military, you know, she's been a lot of time away from her parents, you know her dad in particular but she had that year when both of us were gone when I left Samantha she was in the fifth grade, and when I came back from Iraq, she was going into the seventh grade. So it's um, there's a lot of time. Miss, she's a great, uh, I say, great kid, but great young lady. She, I mean, not everybody is fortunate enough to have a child that can handle, can adapt the way that she has. But she's never been a problem when it comes to that. She loves moving around, and it, although she's an introvert, making friends was not easy. Being the new kid all the time was not easy. And she's been to more schools than myself, you know, having been an Army brat, too. But she's been to more schools than either one of us. We're very proud that she came through a bit very supportive of both of our careers, but feels very strongly that, you know, the military's not for me. And y'all did more than enough for everybody. 35 years for Patrick, 23 years for myself. And then you add my dad and my brothers on top of that, it's a whole lot. Of military service.
1: Who was the person that motivated you the most?
0: Hmm... It would. I would say my parents. Yeah, for sure. I've, um, of course, a mama's girl. Um, my dad was more or less the disciplinarian of the family, so we had a good cop, bad cop, <laughs> for um, you know growing up. That is. But yeah, both of them very encouraging and motivating us, um, all of us. You know, my parents. You, I think you probably remember this when we were. My husband and I were both in Germany. We were deployed to Iraq, and so my parents always told us you know we have to have what you call a family care plan if you're both in the military and you have uh dependents or children you have to have a an action plan for if you become deployed and so we never thought in a million years it would happen and my parents um became that force and told us that they would step up if necessary and then all, all of a sudden here it was 18 years in the army or something uh we find ourselves in iraq both of us uh, my husband and myself and so my parents left the northern neck and came all the way to germany to take care of our daughter we would have sent her to them in the northern neck but my dad said we don't want to disrupt her life any more than necessary we'll come to her and keep her in her home keep her in her school with her friends and um yeah that just meant everything to us
1: going back to you and patrick tell me a little bit about your husband
0: well he's from panama city florida born and raised. His mom was a, was a single mother's parents divorced at a very young age, and so his mother raised them, him and his siblings, and had a very difficult upbringing in terms of material things, that is, you know, still had the love and affection of his grandmother, who's his his big hero, and um, had some family friends that helped along the way. He um, went to ROTC at Florida State University and got his bachelor's degree, and well, unfortunately or fortunately, either one like you, he wanted to go into the Air Force and wanted to be a pilot, and that didn't work out for him, and when he realized that wasn't going to work out, he went to Army ROTC and ended up being commissioned in the Army, and so we both came into the Army at the same time and met at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana. He was an AG officer as well, with myself, but always wanted to fly, so um, after a couple of years doing personnel work, pushing paper, he applied for flight school and was accepted and decided to go into the medical service corps to be a medevac pilot and so we got married at fort rucker alabama no we didn't get married at fort rucker we got married in mississippi we had our honeymoon at fort rucker alabama because he was in flight school he was in the middle of flight school when we got married very proud of pat didn't i mean i i've known pat a long time now and of course watching him in obc i wasn't sure he was pilot material so <laughs> but um he did good flew helicopters for a long time and, of course, that either, to be a certain rank, you no longer fly helicopters. So he was able to command at various levels in the Medical Service Corps and um, has been very, very successful at the point in time where we, we knew that if he kept along the trajectory that he was on, that uh, there was a very real possibility that he could be a general officer. He had a passion for the military. I had a passion, but passion, Pat's passion was unmatched. I mean, laser-focused, and of course, I have a child that I'm laser-focused on as well, and you can balance both of them. You can. I know people that have done that, but Pat was given his all, his entire being to the military, and that's kind of how things played out with us. His career kind of took the lead as a dual military couple. The Army looks at assignments for both of you. Unfortunately, a lot of times, fortunately for him, his assignment was leading mine, so they'd say, hey, we got a great job for you at such-and-such, and, such. and uh, your wife, she can do this, you know, so there's, you know, I'm not going to say that's sexism necessarily. It was more or less his career at the time and I'm fortunate that I did have a career in the military that I did find some good positions along the way and was able to make lieutenant colonel given that because there were lots of sacrifices along the way opportunities that I could have gone different places but it would have meant splitting up my family and I didn't want to do that I was trying to do it my way which is keep my family together as much as possible and have a career at the same time and so I guess we could call that success the end of the day
1: Weren't you a paratrooper at one time?
0: Oh, absolutely. We, um, As I said, Patrick and I met at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana, Indianapolis at the AG basic officers course, and then we went to flight school at the same time. So Patrick and I both went to flight school at the same time. As a matter of fact, we were on the same plane, and he sat at the back of the plane and watched me at the front of the plane jump before him. So I was the motivating factor in getting him out of that plane. Because when he saw that I went out the plane, he said, uh oh.
1: Because <laughs> she's not going to let go me.
0: Down. Exactly. <laughs> this, this, this one down. I got to go now, and I will tell you. Um, they would pick on the pick on the little ones, and I was, you know, not the tallest ones. So they'd make me stand in the door of the plane as we're flying. Um, it wasn't frightening because for some reason, at that age, I had no fear. Um, it's strange. I got plenty of fear now. But back then, I was like, oh, sure, I'll stand in this door, no problem. I'm <laughs> just standing, chilling in the door before I jump. Now I'm uh, scared of my own shadow, <laughs> basically.
1: So. How many years did you do that?
0: Oh, no. I was never assigned to a paratrooper unit, unfortunately. We tried. Um, You know, to have a couple of paratroopers trying to get to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and fail, it was amazing. They kept sending us to Fort Hood, Texas. We never, never got assigned to Fort Bragg, so we were never assigned to that type of unit. So we were what they call five jump chumps. We had to jump five times to get the airborne qualifier in the wings, and that's what we each did. So he's a five jump chump just like I am. But I landed each one of them, didn't break no bones back then, walked off each time piece
1: of cake. There it is. There it is. I'm
0: going to um, try to make this as interesting as
1: I can. Are you joking?
0: Know. No, I mean, I'm saying, I mean, when
1: you, okay. <laughs> That's right. About. I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> okay, There's okay. no way that this is not going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> Broke my toe yesterday. <gasps> yeah my family's like uh what's your problem you're so fragile (laughs) you keep breaking bones and whatnot he'd be giving me a hard time he's like we gotta put you on some bubble wrap
1: the things that you weren't afraid of and
0: yeah yep.
1: now you can't go in your house without busting your toe
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh pixie
1: (laughs) i mean look at this this girl was jumping out of planes come on Talking about the fairs, I love the story of the great bingo scandal when they used to have the cows would go and poop on the bingo squares. That's how you play was cow pod bingo was what it called. And the big scandal was that someone had given the cow a little extra something. Yeah, so the cow was all over the place. those pods was a pond so that was the big cow pod bingo scandal Only in a true story? yeah that's a true story <laughs> yeah they talked about that for years for wow. years that's how Kilmonde was elevating we had to give Ooh. a cow a laxative that was our you know, <laughs> that was our foray into crime like you I'm like nope I'm looking at all the women that I know and I know the dreams that a lot of these women had then they didn't get to realize them because of fill in the blank
0: right yeah
1: Some interesting facts about women in the military. Deborah Sampson is best known for disguising herself as a man to serve in the Continental Army from May 1782 to October 1783. She was also one of the first women to receive a pension for her military service. On November 15, 1866, Cathay Williams enlisted in the 38th Infantry Regiment. On October 14, 1868, She received an honorable discharge with the legacy of being the first and only female Buffalo soldier. The 588th Night Bombing Regiment of the Soviet Armed Forces was the most highly decorated female unit in that force, flying. 30,000 missions over the course of four years and dropping in total 23 tons of bombs on invading German armies. Its members who ranged in age from 17 to 26 flew primarily at night with planes that were plywood and canvas construction and generally reserved for training and crop dusting. The unit earned the name of Night Witches because of the sound their planes made when diving. Read the March 9, 2010 NPR story entitled Female World War II Polots, the original Fly Girls, the story about the group of female pilots called the Women Air Force Service Polots, WASP for short. Previous version of military regulation, new moms had only six months after giving birth to conform to body fat standards. As a result, many resorted to unsafe practices to lose weight or to stop breastfeeding their babies at four months. Sergeant Major of the Army Michael Griston announced a policy change March 19. 2021 and extending the time allowed to get back within postpartum body standards from six months to a year. What is this thing called home that helps to keep hope bright, to be fearless, to have determination, to keep striving despite the odds? The calm of the waters of the northern neck. The foods we eat, the laughter we share, the hugs, the love and protection of family can be the inspiration needed to keep a soul intact. Like a cadence, keeping in rhythm, in unity, in step, that natural sway, the notion of a hometown can ease the burden, the pain, the worry that a place called home can soothe. Music by Robert A. Hall This interview is dedicated to military families, especially to those who make a home no matter where that place may be. Sergeant faced and won the challenge of being told what kind of soldier she could be. She was a mother in uniform, a professional soldier, in spite of being told what she could or could not do. But the biggest challenge was awaiting her on a beautiful September day on a date which will live in infamy.
0: You know it's funny um half the people you talk to probably say they never want to step foot in washington D- military never want to be assigned to washington dc let alone the pentagon but for me as a personnel officer i thought um, that's the nerve center of the military that's where it all happens and if that's where you know per- policies are made that impact personnel and all that so i always wanted to come to the Pentagon. This particular morning, um, I'm dieting like I'm always dieting, (laughs) so I'm never never quite the size I want to be. So I walk into this cubicle area, which is where I'm working now, and I walk past a couple of my friends and have some chit-chat, steal a couple of M&Ms off the desk and all the normal kinds of stuff that I do, and I go take my seat at my desk. Shortly into the work morning, one of my colleagues comes in to get a classified document out of his safe, and he says, ma'am, ma'am, did you hear that a plane hit World Trade Center? And I was like, no, what, what are you talking about?
1: Join me by listening to part two of my interview with Lieutenant Colonel Sherry Hill Sergeant, United States Army, retired. Next time on A Pixie from Kilmarnock.